So the question I have for us, should Christians be engaged in politics? I'm going there today. I'm going to be talking about politics. (laughs) The church struggles to talk about politics, and I'm going to do my best to walk us through a framework to help us understand how do you go to the polls with confidence in a few weeks. Some of you might be saying, I am not going to the polls because I don't like either candidate or it is too crazy for us. Or you might think that Christians should not be engaged in politics. And I want to, I want to make a strong case to say that we should. So stay with me. Before you turn off the computer, before you leave this room, um, hang with me. Hang with me. It will be a safe conversation. I'm not going to endorse a candidate. I'm not going to tell you which party platform you should be voting for, but I am going to help you build a framework that I believe is not only biblical, but the way that Jesus viewed politics. I'm going to walk us through that. So, my name is Mark Warren. If you're a guest with us today or watching for the first time online, and we are here to help you get ready to meet Jesus face-to-face, and we do this by what? Reaching the lost, caring for the least and training the found. Each one of you, that is your job, to reach the lost. We sang about that. To care for the least. Who are the least of these? Matthew 25. Look it up if you don't know who the least are in our world today. And then to train the found. That's discipleship. Well, open your Bibles to, if you wouldn't mind, to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. We'll get there in a moment so you have time, either on your device, um, go to your Bible app, look at Mark chapter 12. So I'm going to um, help us understand some of these um, maybe ideas that we've had or not had, and whether or not we should even be talking about politics in church. After all, don't we know a certain thing called separation of church and state? Have you heard that before? Well, actually, that was uh, Thomas Jefferson's idea and uh, James Madison. And really, can I just tell you what that really was? It wasn't that the church should disengage from politics. It's really saying that our state should not tell the church what to do. That we have freedom of religion, which means that we have freedom to express ourselves with great liberty to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with freedom, without fear that somebody is going to tell us we have to do it a certain way. That's what separation of church and state is. So the church should be very involved in things of the state. And I'm going to tell you why. So where do we start in this conversation, on this tiptoe conversation? Because some of you probably have said, you know what? The last time we talked about politics was in a family gathering and that didn't go so well. (laughs) Let alone we're going to talk about it in a church. Well, the good thing is... Today, it's not a debate. You just get to listen to me. <laughs> you can debate with me afterwards. I'm fine with that. Well, in, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus begins to address some politicians. They're called Pharisees, and they're also called the Herodians. And here we are, Mark's uh, chapter 12. Um, I'm going to turn there, and so I'm going to read to you. They're trying to set Jesus up a little bit into um, trying to trap him to what he's thinking. And what a great place to start. 
So here it is. Um, this is what they said. They're trapping Jesus. They said, uh, and they sent, I'm going to start in verse tw- uh, 13. Mark chapter 12, verse 13. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came to him to said, teacher, we know that you are true and you do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the ways of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Ask them a question. Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius, bring me a coin and let me look at it. And they brought one and he said to them, whose likeness? An inscription is on this. They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar's, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are to God's. And they marveled at him. I love that scripture because here we are, by the way, the Pharisees and the Herodians typically were enemies, even though they were religious, they didn't have separation of church and state back then. They were all trying to set up two different systems. The Pharisees wanted to reestablish um, the, the kingdom of David. And the, the Herodians wanted to establish more, um, more ruling from Caesar. But these were kind of religious leaders, but they were trying to set up institutions. And there's power struggle to them. Uh, do we have power struggle in our country today? <laughs> but Jesus begins to help us understand for his followers, how to handle a political system. He says, by the way, we live in political systems. Pay Caesar what is Caesar's, pay your taxes. He's saying, engage in a political system. But then he says, and to things of God, render to the things of God. So in other words, we have this tension, our world and the political systems, and the systems of the world, and then God and his kingdom. And here's Jesus standing in the middle of it, and he's talking about the tension of those two things. And we, as followers of Jesus, and if, by the way, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I am glad you're in this conversation here today, whether you're in the room or watching online. But Jesus stands in the gap of these two tensions, and he begins to help us underlying, help us see the underlying uh, aspect of this. Well, then in, in Romans chapter 13, we have the Apostle Paul who again speaks to this fact that we, we are to care about the things of the government. Romans 13:1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, as Paul tells the church in Rome. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, I, I want to bring clarity also to this verse because I think many times it's misinterpreted to say, you know what, God's going to put whoever he wants to put into authority anyways, and so we need to just disengage, let God be God, put whoever he wants in there, and then we just have to blindly follow that leader. That's a wrong view of that scripture. Well, let me tell you what I believe it says. It's saying that every person is subject to governing authorities, which is true, right? We, Jesus already said If it's Caesar's head is on that coin, render to Caesar's what's Caesar's. When we have governing authority over us, it is our place to follow that governing authority. Unless 
There's always an unless here, unless they're asking us to do something that is not according to God's word. We have the ability at that point in time to say, no, we're not following that. But let me also add some clarity. So there is no authority except from God. So we understand that, right? But he's saying, who's the ultimate authority? God is the ultimate authority. And those that exist have been instituted by God. And so basically, he's saying that he has established systems of governance to do what? To uphold righteousness and to punish evil. That is why God instituted governmental systems. And he's saying that God has instituted that. He's he's not saying that God has placed those people there. He's instituted it. But as people are going to those places, we are also to be subject to those authorities. But I have a couple concerns um, as we're beginning to understand a political process. How do we navigate going to the polls in a couple weeks? And by the way, if you're too young to vote and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm checking out of this conversation because he's talking about politics. I'm only in middle school. I'm only in high school. I'm not... I'm telling you what, at some point in time, I'm looking at this little row right over here. You guys, you will be 18 one day and you will be have a chance to vote. And you know what? You'll need to know how to take a stand for what's right. So you don't have to check out. Now, maybe you're kind of like, hey, you know what? I've already decided I'm not participating in this. I'm going to help you have confidence to say you can go to the polls in a couple weeks with clarity and conviction to know who to vote for. But I have a couple concerns for the church. The first one is this. The first concern is when we choose not to be engaged in the process. And, and there's lots of reasons. We don't want to be stuck into debating politics, right? Nobody wants that, especially if you're not feeling confident in the, um, in the issues of the day. Right, So it's like, I, I don't want to have somebody trap me into that conversation or put me in an uncomfortable place. Or maybe you just feel like it's best to stay away. After all, it's just a bunch of fighting. <laughs> and, um, and we could pick out flaws in any one of our candidates. So really, do we need to engage that? Or you might have the faulty view that's saying, well, God's just going to place who he wants there anyways. My second concern I have for the church is this is that sometimes we make our framework or begin to think about this only through the lens of how we get our information from news outlets. Depending on which which network you listen to, you'll begin to start having viewpoints based on news outlets as opposed to looking at what God's word says and lining up to what God's word says. Let me just give you an example. So... um, Well, I'm not going to give you an example quite yet on this one. <laughs> I'm willing to go to this conversation, but I, I, I am also playing, it, you know, I want to make sure I'm clear on, on these things. So you might be, um, I'm going to talk about two things. Yeah, I will go there. Here we go. So, so you might be affiliated with the Democratic Party in this room. I, don't raise your hands if whatever party, that we're not going there. But you might say, I mostly relate to that because I care about the environment or I care that that side seems to be very compassionate, wanting to give rights to all people, especially the 
LGBTQ community. And it can feel like that, that, that side is you align with some of those things that you, you think might be noble causes or, or things that might be right. Or if you're on the Republican side, you might feel like the, the value of the unborn or the, the, the life issue, or you want to protect religious liberty, and those are good and righteous and noble and biblical things, but yet you see there might be another side that God might care about some things on the other side too. Right, compassion, environmental stewardship, right to life, religious liberty, all seem like good ideas. So where, how do you choose? How do you choose? I want to let you know we grow in political confidence when we understand where our citizenship lies. This is where it's going to make it very, very clear for you of knowing how to vote with confidence. It has to start with understanding where our citizenship lies. In Philippians 3, 20 through 21, it says this, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body into uh, to be like his glorious body by the power that enables um, him even to subject to all things to himself. Let me read that last line again. So, his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to the subject of all things to him. So I want to let you know about citizenship. Did you know that I have three citizenships? Okay, this is going to be maybe new for some of you. So my mom was... Uh, is an American, and she was born and raised, well, she wasn't born there, but she was raised in Belchertown, Massachusetts. My dad is a Canadian, born and raised in Ottawa, Ontario. And so therefore, by right, I have an American citizenship and a Canadian citizenship. Now, for those of you who may be watching this, let's say I ever chose to run for some political office down the line, they're going to replay that video and say, see, he says he's a Canadian citizen, he's disqualified. So for clarity, I am an American citizen and I relate to my American citizenship in this country. Okay, all that to say is, but I have a third citizenship that is, that is the most important that supersedes them all. I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. Citizen of heaven, yes. So it is that citizenship, though, that begins to align things for us. You are not first, as a Christian, you're not first a citizen of the United States. You're first a citizen of God and his kingdom. Citizen of Jesus' kingdom, And therefore, you have to begin to say, what is all subject to that kingdom? And you run your framework of what you believe based on what he says and what he believes and what he has established for his people. Let me tell you about this, the subject to all things, last line of that Philippians verse. That must, that means that everything our decisions, our world, our political systems, everything has to run through the filter of Jesus in his kingdom. Everything is subject to him. And this is the key to going to the polls in a couple weeks with confidence. It also gives you the confidence to know how to have political conversations that will be both 
respectful and honoring because we run it through the filter of what does God's word say? What does God's word say? So the process of picking a candidate and a party affiliation is really quite simple. It can be confusing if you're just trying to take news outlets and run it through some basic, oh, I more relate to that. You know, the, the Republicans tend to be more business-oriented. The, the Democrats tend to be more environmental and socialist-oriented. And you pick your orientation, right? Or is that right? I, I would make a case that's not right. I would say you have to say, okay, what does God's word say and how do those candidates line up to, those, to God's word in God's ways? And then you make a decision based on a candidate that most closely lines up to God's plans and purposes. There we go. Preach it. <laughs> All right. See, I told you, this is not going to be a hard conversation, guys. We're getting through this quite well. I am so far unscathed, I believe, at this point. <laughs> All right. We still have a few moments left. Yes, we do. So when we say that we are subject in Romans 13.1 to the governing authorities that have been placed there, we, wouldn't we want to have people in those places, in those positions that want to uphold God's laws and God's ways because we know that God's ways bring liberty, brings life, brings freedom, right? That's what God's kingdom is all about. Okay, so let me just, let me just go one more, well, a little bit deeper here. So we've run, run it through the filter of this. You'll see a slide. What does Jesus care about and what does his word clearly say about the issues we face today, right? So that's our framework of which we um, go to the polls. And by the way, I'm going to have some resources for you. So if you're saying, well, I don't really know. I don't have, I am not a theologian. I mean, it's not that difficult, but I'm not a theologian. I don't know how to line it up. I've got some resources for you. I'll help you on that. But I do want to understand one other thing that's so important for us to, to, to understand is the way that our country is set up. By the way, who are the actual leaders of our country? Not the president, not the Congress, not the, our U.S. senators. And if we go to state, who are the leaders of our state? It's not, not the governor. It's not our executive council. It's not our, um, our state reps or our state senate. You and I are God's ordained authority in the United States of America. We have the ultimate say and the ultimate voice. That's the beauty of our country. God has given that to us by the system that has been established. Remember, all systems have been established by God. And our founding fathers, who a majority of them were Bible-believing um, people who wanted to establish a nation under God, right? A nation under God, not above God. God comes first, under God. So we are God's... Uh, Ordained authority. I love the prelude to our constitution. It says this. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessing of liberty to ourselves and to our prosperity, 
do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. We, the people. We, the people, are, are the leaders of our nation, and we get to choose who we place to govern us. And we get to choose those who will either allow us to experience prosperity. I love these words. Establish justice. Perfect union. Bringing us together. Domestic tranquility. Common defense. General welfare. Secure the blessing of liberty. The blessing of freedom. To our prosperity. And see, these are the things that happens when we place God first in our decision-making, and realizing that God knows best. God knows best. Not a political party. They represent us. And I would have to say there's no one person, and we can see that, right? Our, our leaders are flawed. <laughs> Some are more evident than others. Um, but our, our leaders are flawed because they're human beings. And before we start pointing fingers, all you have to do is Look at yourself. <laughs> We're all flawed. <laughs> and we need the grace of God. We need the grace of God in our lives. But we, the people, have the privilege to place people that want to uphold the ways of God. And we have the ability to begin to, today, we have the ability to look at what everybody stands for. Do they care for the things that God cares about? Because when we have people who are leading us and care about governing us and care about the things that God cares about, it does lead to greater freedom. It does lead to greater prosperity. And it does lead to greater peace. I think our nation is so divided is because I've, I, I'm younger and maybe some of those who are older than myself would maybe speak differently, but I've never seen two political spectrums that are so far apart, which is making a, a, this great divide in our nation. But I would have to say that, that that divide needs to be filled with Jesus. That divide needs to be filled with Jesus. You know, it's like, the, it's like the old picture, right? It was of like, um, here we are over here, sinners, and here's heaven over here, and there's this big chasm, and then you put a little cross in the middle, and that's the bridge to get us to the other side, right? I kind of picture that that's what, where we're at as a nation, that we need to be a nation under God again, that we need to place Jesus in the center of our civic duties, of our families, of our businesses, of our culture. When we did that as a nation, we prospered as a people. Families stayed together. There wasn't brokenness in the homes like we see today. There wasn't fatherlessness and motherlessness. There wasn't the, the rampant addiction that is uh, in our world today, in our society today, in the U.S. today. There's something happens when we place Jesus in the middle of our conversations. And I would say it's not separation of church and state to say the church should not be engaged. I say the church should be engaged because we've been asked to. We've been said the power is of the people. 
And we, the people, have a choice to say, do we want our nations to be ruled by God-fearing men and women who will uphold the ways of God, the rules of God, to bring us to a place of freedom and peace. So I want you to vote according to your citizenship of heaven. When you go to the polls November 3rd, you're gonna have a choice to vote on our federal side. That will be your president of the United States, your Senate and your Congress. You'll also have the ability to um, vote for the state, your governor, your executive council, your state reps, your, uh, your state Senate. And that I will tell you, you have a choice. And there's some really great candidates that would rep- want to represent Jesus. There is a resource that I've put together for you. Um, I didn't put it together. I've just put it on the website for you. Uh, if you go to gccnh.com forward slash vote, it will give you some, some resources to help you know how to, um, how to navigate some of those things that we've talked about today. So are we good so far? All right. So how are you going to vote? We're going to vote the way that Jesus would, would view things, right? We're going to vote based on our citizenship of heaven. Citizenship of heaven is how we're going to walk through this with confidence. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road, we just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.